Hi there, I'm Tegan. And I'm Becca. And we are on a journey to create our perfect perfect podcast. podcast. And by that we mean... We're going to be genre hopping across every type of podcast that we have listened to or just heard of. So get ready for... ASMR. Celebrity gossip. Biology lessons. Advice. Bad movie reviews. Role playing. And much, much more. So buckle in, sit tight, and get ready to go on an audio journey with us as we... Think about true crime. So, Becca. Yes, hello. My name is Becca. Do you want to tell everyone where we're at? Oh, we're in Tegan's closet. Yeah, she's about to come out. It's not a figure of speech. (laughs) And who's with us? My little sister, Jenny Page. Her favorite sister. I imagine most of our listeners are familiar with. Either know personally or or about to. (laughs) (laughs) She's been begging to be on the podcast since the inception of it. I would say she's been begging to be on the podcast before the podcast existed. That's true. Jenny and I are in camping chairs. Our microphone is on Tegan's hamper. It's... What chair am I on, though? What chair did I end up with? You are a fold-up chair. The lame chair. A metal fold-up chair. And it doesn't even have padding. It's funny, because guess who has sciatica? So, Becca, what are we talking about today? We are talking about true crime. How do you feel about true crime? (laughs) I... It's kind of a mixed bag. I am fascinated by it every time I you know, like, hear about a case, and every time Tegan tells me about a case, but it's definitely not one of my primary interests. I'm really squeamish and get really freaked out by pretty much any crime or horror anything, which is why Tegan was nice, and rather than just talk about a bunch of murders, we decided to talk about survivors of horrific experiences. So they- Which, to be fair, I think is harder to deal with in my brain space, but I also am a fan of, like, Not a fan. It always sounds bad when you talk about it. You are interested. I'm interested in, like, the Black Dahlia and, like... That one's gross. Really, I like the macabre. True crime podcast, Tegan likes. Wine and crime, morbid. I used to like Crime Junkie, but we do not stand plagiarism here in this house. Why? What did they do? They would just straight up plagiarize and they wouldn't cite sources. Uh, Which is why we will be citing sources. Yeah, we will. Surprisingly enough, stop messing with the hangers Don't in her touch closet. Things that make noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently we, we got some comments about audio issues in the last episode. Specifically, Becca issues. I have been alerted to the fact that I cannot say anything without moving my face. She's not in a hole, but she is in a closet. Yeah, it's the last episode. It sounds like I am talking to Becca, who is at the bottom of a well, screaming at me. <laughs> yeah, that information about Twilight. Yes, well, my case, I picked one because the victim survived and has been successful in the aftermath, and two, the perpetrator is dead. Ooh, we like that. (laughs) I enjoyed that. We like a dead perpetrator. Question, real quick, are all of our survivors women? Yeah. Oh, I kind of just assumed that all victims are women. I highly recommend, if you guys end up liking this, watching I Survived. It's a TV show, that's where a lot of these stories come from, but it's really funny because the episodes will be like, two women, one was raped and kidnapped, and the other one was held against her will for days, and then it's a dude who was, like, attacked by a bear, and it's just, <laughs> and it cuts A lot of women's forth. issues are at the hands of men, and men's issues are just at the hands of the wilderness. Yeah, or it's like, I was on a boat, and then a thunderstorm came, and it's like, okay. Okay, let me set the scene. It's Austria- the 90s. Wow. 
I don't know anything about Austria in the 90s other than the case of Natasha Kampusch. She was raised, born and raised in Vienna, Austria, and she is famous for being held captive for eight and a half years in a man's, like, basement. So that's just, that's the story of her, and I'll give you a little background on her life. Oh, I thought you were gonna be done, and I was like, Becca, what? <laughs> that was a really good story, Becca, and I know <laughs> wow. that you're like an hour for that. Crime. I don't imagine our perfect podcast if we're still pursuing that route. We are. We're on the perfect fourth podcast. episode, my darling. Uh, yeah. I don't think our perfect podcast is gonna be a true crime one. But I'm sorry, are you gonna do, like, multiple things? Yeah, probably. I imagine Tegan. we'll circle back, but, like, I don't want to talk about this every week. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Um, okay, Natasha Kampusch. Her early life was apparently not good. She was born and raised in Vienna, Austria. Her parents just, like, had a very volatile marriage. They were already separated for a while before this incident happened. And they would individual- like, there was a huge battle about custody, and she had a couple older siblings, but they were all way older, so she was kind of just alone, and individually, in both of her parents' houses, she was, like, beaten, basically. Abused. And... One investigator of her kidnapping went so far as to say that the time Campush was imprisoned might have been better for her than what she experienced before. Dang. And I don't necessarily agree with that assertion, and it was obviously completely denied by her mother. You know, no victim blaming, and no, I guess, victim's family blaming either, but reportedly she had voiced her desire to run away many times before she was ultimately kidnapped. Wanting to run away is not a, not consent for kidnapping, yeah. She, according to one article, said that her last moments of freedom were spent fantasizing about suicide. She was planning on throwing herself in front of a car, and then her mother would be sorry, quote. (laughs) So it went further than just childhood not liking your parents. It was like she came from a poor, abusive background, and when she was taken, police officers and family, they all thought that she had just run away. So they weren't that worried about her. If it's a child thing. runs away, it's, like, still scary. You should look for them because well, they could get in trouble. They look it's for them? a very common issue. It's a lot of offenders will look for people who are, quote-unquote, less dead. Meaning sex workers, children of underprivileged families, people of color. And they will target those individuals because they get less police attention and funding. And the man who did kidnap her hasn't had much to say on it because he died, like, immediately after she she escaped. How did but, she, he die? Well, we'll get to that. But he hasn't... Did she kill him? No. Did he commit suicide? Did he kill If he committed suicide, I'm going to be mad. Guys. Guys. I'm sorry. Guys. I'm guys. sorry. Like, also, the There's eight and a half sucks. years between the events that I'm, that I'm talking about. Okay, fine. Okay, the kidnapping. I've set the stage. She was. Wedding crime and doesn't do it like she this. Wedding <laughs> <laughs> crime does. <laughs> they don't just tell people to stop talking. They do shut up though and listen. Yeah, and we're not doing that. March second, nineteen ninety-eight. Natasha was ten years old. She was on her way to school, and apparently it was the very first occasion her mother had even allowed her to walk alone. But they had gotten into like a massive fight earlier that day. And she noticed a man standing by a delivery van. He looked neat and conservative. As she passed, he grabbed her and threw her in. He didn't even lure her any way. He just grabbed her and threw her in. And it was, you know, the typical kidnapper van. White, large, scary looking, darkened windows. (laughs) I did think that the van thing was a little bit interesting because apparently there was uh, somebody nearby who gave a report that she saw a girl snatched um, into... A white van and so like around 800 vans were looked into and searched and the man who took her 
was even talked to and interviewed, but the police were convinced that she just ran away. So when he made up some excuse about, like, transporting rubble, they believed him and let him go. I'm <laughs> screaming and I'll never stop. I know. It's <laughs> disgusting. Cops. Even Austrian cops. Ferg the police. He drove her to his home in a prosperous suburb called Strasshof. Yeah, it could be pronounced differently. I don't know why I picked <laughs> an Austrian to look it case. Strasshof. I'll never mention it again. <laughs> and carried her into a tiny cellar room he'd spent a long time preparing. And the, you know this because it was a trapdoor down some stairs through a hollowed out cre- concrete wall hidden on the other side of a small metal hatch concealed behind a cupboard. My heart rate is spiking. He thought about this. It was clandestine and fortified. It took an hour to get inside. It was 5 by 5 meters, so like 15 by 15. It was bigger than where I'm standing right now, which is a closet, but like not a whole lot bigger. No, not a whole lot bigger. Uh, It was soundproofed, windowless, and filled with the apparently- windowless, and apparently filled with the constant irritating rattle of a plastic ventilator fan. We have all these details because she talks a lot. And she wrote a couple of books. To be fair, coming out of that, what else, what can you monetize? It's true. What's on your resume? She has no skills. Well, she has some skills. Uh, Interviews from the people who found her, one uh, female police officer in particular who became friends with her, was that, like, she educated herself with the radio and she made her captor get her books and stuff so she ended up being still an extremely competent intelligent woman because she i don't know i just i know people who fault victims for milking their story quote unquote but if you're a victim milk it i don't care i kind of found myself being like oh my gosh she's giving so many interviews that's crazy. Why would anybody want to live in it any longer? But like, I mean, it's kind of empowering. If that's and you your have whole to talk thing, about it, this is what happened to you. True. Like, yeah, own it. I have become more evolved since then. And she's a, the isn't she hours. a victim's rights advocate? <laughs> Not that I saw. Ooh, <laughs> it's a little. I mean, I'm sure her story's used. I'm sure her story's used. Competency but she in Austria has pretty much retreated into her own life. I mean, yeah. Well, just she there. She it. rides horses now. Fun. She's uh, a horse girl. So that still on that first night, after it took an hour to get into this little room that he decided prison. to keep her in. The prison. He the put prison her in. he put her in. Uh, she apparently asked him to tuck her in, read her story, and give her a goodnight kiss. All of which he cheerfully did. Why did she do that? Because mm. she could. <laughs> She, she was, was trying, trying to gain as she on the way to the house as well. She was asking him bunches of questions and stuff, and she I guess had learned on TV programs where to learn as much as you can about your captor Smart. immediately. And I mean, all of this was informative. Those first few years, that first night, he apparently didn't do anything especially untoward. Like he didn't abuse her sexually or physically until she was older. And, uh, <laughs> you know, right. until she was older. <laughs> I mean, it's smart to manipulate yeah. someone who's broken enough. Yeah, and yeah. he was certainly grooming her, so psychological abuse. He would give her expensive toys and lots of compliments, and he would he would feed her and everything. Does she have um, a, what's it called? Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. Probably. Mm, See, well. that is another interesting facet of this case where everybody thinks she does, but she has been outspoken about denying that categorization. 
So things started to get odder as she grew older. He began giving her presents like mouthwash and scotch tape. That's random. Because I guess he decided he needed to put in less effort. Was he like deteriorating? I think so, because it also says that he told her he was an Egyptian god. <laughs> Good. Yeah. He was probably um, a she would, And he would bathe her, and like, oh. he was, oh. de- yeah. Oh. She's, she has said, um, in situations when I was being bathed, I pictured myself being at a spa. When he gave me something to eat, I imagined him as a gentleman, that he was doing all of this for me to be gentlemanly serving me. So she had to deal with this traumatic experience by, you know, which painting what- herself as the, like I don't a know, Agonist, yeah. Yeah. Which, okay, that's what creates Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, but what else are you supposed to do? I know. I'm not saying- it's Stockholm not, Syndrome, I don't- Problem. It's not yeah. like, oh, you had Stockholm Syndrome. And it's not syndrome. an insult. Yeah. yeah. It's a condition. And as she got older and older, she would try to rebel in small ways just to keep her sanity, you know? She refused to call him maestro. <laughs> Which is fair. It's weird that he wanted her to do that. And unfortunately, he decided that the solution was to break her completely. And that is when the physical end. She denies sexual abuse. But it probably happened. Everybody thinks that it happened. It's not even that she's denied it, but she's declined to comment on it. And she's claimed that all he ever wanted to do was cuddle her. But that was when she was, like, also manacled to the bed. And... The fact that she doesn't want to speak on it seems telling. I would also argue that cuddling is sexual sexual abuse. abuse. Yes, yeah, I agree. Like, the policewoman who I talked about earlier, she 100% thinks that she was sexually abused, like, more aggressively. And he physically beat her up, denied her food, kept her in darkness for days on end. He did every other psychopathic thing in the book. So why wouldn't he? So why wouldn't he go further? And what was his interest in her, if not... Romantic... Yeah, romantic quote-unquote, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He even constructed an intercom so he could lie awake all night yelling insults at her from his bedroom upstairs. Holy crap. Psychological stuff, too. (laughs) Like, everything in the book. She also says, when we ate together, he always allowed himself a much bigger portion. I saw that I had no rights. Also, he began to see me as a person who could do a lot of hard manual labor. So he... I, like, all of this reads to me as him becoming continuously unhinged because he also started forcing her to clean his house, like, top to bottom. Like, super compulsive and obsessive. I've... Yeah, I remember this part. I remember this part. Yeah. Uh, she was only allowed to speak when spoken spoken to, or he'd beat her up, and mm. she became a slave, also. <laughs> but she did, she got through it, she said that a couple of things to help her cope. One specific instance happened when she was 12 years old. She decided to become her own adult, and she says that her 18-year-old self appeared to her in a vision, who told her, I will get you out of here, I promise you, right now you are too small, but when you turn 18, I will overpower the kidnapper and free you from your prison. And... Yo, that's some Harry Potter seeing himself in the woods. Yeah, and that ends up being prophetic because she escapes when she's 18 years old. Wait, when was she kidnapped? When she was 10. While she was in captivity, she did also try to, you know, commit suicide and everything multiple times with, like... The usual. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this was interesting. So, like, across all of the interviews I read, I learned more and more about her. And one of the interviews was like, oh, she was really intelligent. She learned skills in captivity. She learned how to knit. And then in another article, it was like, she tried to commit suicide with knitting needles. And so it was like, it was like I mean, all of her stuff adds up. I don't think she's lying about, like, No, anything. I don't think she's lying. Like, so, and if, if, if there's anything, it's, like, lying by omission. And but it's the, not, we don't mean to hear no, from her. Public, she doesn't have to say anything to us. Yeah. It's not, she doesn't owe it to anyone. Yeah, of course. It's her story. Um, yeah. She... History, more like her story. Whoa. Welcome to Tegan and Becca's Perfect Podcast. 
but basically that my perfect really podcast because well, I make it better. <laughs> Welcome to the perfect podcast. That's all you gotta say. I know. I just I got stressed. You got stressed. The cat keeps on trying to open the door. <laughs> she offers a lot of quotes that do indicate to me that there are some signs of Stockholm syndrome. She says, "You know, I think he really trusted me. He was able to communicate with me. I think he wanted to create his own little perfect world with a person who could be there just for him." Which. It's not, like, saying what he did was good, but, but it's, it's not really condemning that. anything that he did. And that she like, also you can had see that some she def- sort of relationship. Yeah, she definitely started to sympathize, or, like, empathize with him. I mean, he's extremely broken to yeah. get yeah. to this point. Of course. There's a reason why people write letters to people in prison. That's what Stockholm Syndrome is. It's a power dynamic so extreme that you break. Yeah. I also just hate prison, so I feel bad for anybody who has to deal with it. Yeah. It's fair. But, like, not to get too attached <laughs> to... Oh, did I ever say his name? His name was Wolfgang... <laughs> We're gonna call him Wolfgang. It doesn't matter. We just call him he Wolf. Is. He's dead? Well, he's oh, a bad person. He's a bad person. Let's, I like focusing on the, the victim. Yeah. Because they're the people Wolf- who matter. Gr- Wolfgang Pricklapul. Pickle. Wolfgang Pickle. It's a bad Wolfgang man. Prick. Bad man. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Wolfgang Prick. Uh... Yeah, so not to empathize, like, not to get too much into his head or her head, he was also a Nazi sympathizer. Ew. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Natasha says that Wolfgang had this idea of, like, a perfect Aryan relationship, where, you know... But not a perfect podcast. He's a strong man, and she is blonde woman, and they even went skiing one time. Blonde woman. Becca would love that. You know, I've heard people say things about her where they're like, well, she could have, she could have gotten away. Yeah, well, because all told, they went out 13 times, like, outside of the house together. But, like, she was... Scared and little? She was scared and little and practically powerless. People are in abusive relationships with spouses for years. Yeah. It makes sense that such an extreme power dynamic here would also lead to the same result. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he told her the Jews were responsible for 9-11, he dyed her hair blonde, and after convincing her that any escape attempt would mean death for her and him and scores of bystanders, he took her skiing. He, he was a psycho. Yeah. Like, he was a racist, abusive, misogynistic... Idiot. Stupid. We hate him. Yeah, and he also doesn't seem that smart. And you know who we like? What? Her. Mm. She sur- she got through it. Yeah. I don't necessarily I don't like, her, like her, I don't dislike her. I think the strength <laughs> I respect her. Yeah, so do I. I just, yeah. like, I had no relationship with her. That's okay. fair. Okay, but this will make everybody like her. When she turned 18, the day she turned 18, she looked at him and said, and he was obviously a small-minded, weak little man who preyed on somebody younger, younger and more helpless than he did. And so she turned 18, she looked at him and said, you have brought a situation upon us in which only one of us can make it through alive. I really am grateful to you for not killing me and for taking such good care of me. This is very nice of you, but you can't force me to stay with you. I am my own person with my own needs. This situation must come to an end. Is Austria like... So actually, I don't know if that'll make you like her, but... It shows that she, she like, was strong enough to... Yeah. No, there's... She shifted the dynamic and apparently in response, he just looked at her with a sad look. Like... He was like, oh, I he guess knew it's he was time beat. for her to let, leave. Yeah. But he was also He burned. didn't actively yeah. let her go, but it was only a few weeks later, in August of 2006, when he left her alone in the garden for a moment. She was, like, cleaning his car or something, and he went, and it was really loud because she was vacuuming. <gasps> yes, I remember this. Yeah, and he just, like, stepped away for a second for a phone call. He, mm-hmm. It was... Because the vacuum was loud. Because the vacuum was loud, and she just, she just took off. She left the vacuum okay. running, too, yeah. which was smart. Yeah, because he didn't notice anything was wrong. I 100% would have been dumb and turned off the vacuum and then ran. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just... I mean, th- by this point, 
He <laughs> thinks he has a handle on her. He thinks that he's broken her, but clearly she's still a Did fighter. Did she, like, knock on a door and say, my name is Natasha? Well, she, Whatever. she pleaded with passersby to help her at first, but so it took a couple of tries, and then she finally knocked on somebody's door, and it was, like, an old lady who answered, and, like, she just asked to call the police. She didn't even just say, my name is Natasha, Dang. whatever. When Wolfgang I came back and saw that end. Natasha had gone, he went to his friend Ernst Holtzapfel. He's nothing. Ernst they drove around Vienna for three hours, and he confessed everything. He literally said, I am a kidnapper and a rapist. Okay. Okay, so he so, did sexual so abuse. So he did nail in the coffin. Yeah. yeah. And then, obviously, Ernst, like, let him out of the car. Because Ernst wasn't a bad guy. He was just, like, there. friends with a bad guy. And Preklopel lay down on some railway tracks until a train ran over his head. I'm so mad. He, yeah, he killed himself. He knew it was, he knew the jig was up. Uh. He's a Ferg. We should murder him. <laughs> Some people are still trying to claim he was murdered, though. One article even said, and I thought it was so funny, Wolfgang Perklopel died beneath the wheels of a train later that night. Like the train murdered him? Yeah. yeah like, like the train literally <laughs> went just all like, the tracks. It was just like, like no. an accident. Like, oh, he just... He, oh, no. Oh, no. He tripped. <laughs> or like something from like... <laughs> My neck, oh! Oh no, I guess it's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> what accent are we talking about? Dr. Doofus racist because it's not a real accent. <laughs> it's, it's racist against a race that doesn't exist. Oh, you're It's right, racist right. against Doofenshmirtz. Yes. So, she escaped. Give a uh, well, snaps to Natasha. And we don't even get to see what he ended up doing because he died. It's so upsetting to me when they... I hope, I hope. Every day. I hope. I hope. He's dead and he's in a small room with someone yelling insults at him. In hell. And forcing, yeah, and forcing yes. him to cuddle and, yes. like, shoving hot nails Stones. underneath his fingernails. Like, oh, you just gave me, like, oh, visceral, like, oh. like your nails right now. Because in this, oh, I'm so unexcited to hear about your cases because this one, it's like, oh, yep, she was abused, but I didn't have to look too much further than that because what's more interesting to me is the psychological. Both of mine are actually, they're not long-term. I also want to talk a little bit about the aftermath uh, and things that she said about the experience because there's, like, so much con. The rest of her life. Ten, what? She had to go to therapy for the rest of her life. Well... Hope. She's she's had on and off therapy. She should definitely have constant therapy because the... For example, the first thing that she said to the public when she got out was, I mourn for him. Oof. Ferg. And she needs help. She apparently got lots of offers of help, but the offer stopped, she says, when she refused to play the role of a victim and instead tried to explain to interviewers the nuances of the relationship. It's true that being in a position that long, you can't. You can't paint anybody as one thing. Well, you can't. I, I couldn't maintain myself, like, the emotional hardship of being a victim yeah you'd have to switch it and i'm sure yeah and i mean they had breakfast together every day they you know big little lies sure, big little yeah. lies where the she's being abused and uh-huh. she's like well i i hurt him sometimes no yeah. you didn't and it's well, like cause it doesn't matter the power abused. dynamic is wrong yeah. yeah you can't live that long being with somebody constantly without only sustaining hate some more. kind of relationship yeah, okay. which I think is called Stockholm Syndrome, that but is. she refuses yeah. to be, like, categorized as that. She says, I find it very natural that you would adapt yourself to identify with your kidnapper, especially if you find a great deal of time with that person. It's about empathy, communication. Looking for normality within the framework of a crime is not a syndrome. It is a survival strap. It's a syndrome, you know? It's not a, a thing in the American psychological, whatever, DSM-5. Oh, yeah? It should be. But 
it is. It's not that common, though. But, like, no, and, and we sore... don't. It's, it's a bunch of underlying conditions that lead to one syndrome. It's yeah. not a singular problem. And another thing, she also bought the house that she was. Yes, I heard about it. But she hasn't moved in. She just bought it, right? She bought it and she still cleans it obsessively. Well, she just, she still spends a lot of time there. She did, in fairness, want to donate it to, like, a women's shelter or something. Okay, but still. But then, but has she? No. It, the city apparently pushed back against it because it was too traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, hi. But she so could also have, away. like, demolished it. You you're know? running away from her, your abusive husband? Here, do you want to see the room that I was kept in? Yeah. 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 So she does, I don't know, she bought it because she had an emotional attachment to it. People Still are takes nuanced. care of it. People are nuanced. People are complicated, whatever. Didn't this, I feel like the state gave it to her. She that might have been it, it, too. I... I had or oh, it might have been like because they lived together long enough. Technically, when he died, his assets went to her. It might have been something like different that. articles I read. One said that she bought it. One said she like inherited it. And I didn't really understand the term inherited in this context. But that might be what it was. That it's they like were like common rights. law married squatters' <laughs> rights with um like people and their wills. Just like I lived with Desert for twelve years. I you know he doesn't have a will. So when he dies, I get it. Oh, yeah. It's like in Canada that you're technically married after 10 years of living with someone. Yeah, common law. So she has given, you know, a lot of, a lot more interviews, but she talks about him a lot. And there's just some concerning things she said where, like, she wanted to be a TV interviewer and she smiled to this interviewer and said... I have certainly learned how to engage with people one-on-one. I was forced to listen to him, which I think was very positive, because a lot of people my age are not good at listening. I mean, she had to find positives. Yeah. But that wasn't a... No, I mean, she had she to find... She just also seems a little bit... She's insane! Self-involved. I'm not... Like, she's a victim. I she can't is. criticize her to any but real extent, insane. but she... But she doesn't seem like someone I would want to <laughs> be friends with. I would never want to hang out with her. No. She also says that she likes to put herself in the shoes of Wolfgang even now. She says, I like Ow. to do it very much. In fact, I probably like to do it too much, which is why I've gone back to a therapist. Hashtag not like other victims. That's what it is. Tiggy is not like other girls. I also... <laughs> I also I also thought it interesting that every single publication I read made a point to say she still does not have a boyfriend. Misogyny! Yeah, that's fair. Well, what if I, she wants a girlfriend that, like, after all this? I feel like a lot of people view the, like, if someone goes through something heinous like this and then they get married, it's like, oh, yeah, well, they're like fine now. Elizabeth Smart, she's married with, like, three kids. Oh, she's fine now. Yeah. Nobody thinks about Elizabeth Smart anymore because she's fine. I think about Elizabeth Smart constantly. And she's released two books. She's like, maybe I'll read them. Probably won't. Because this won't. makes me sad. For the cover, yeah. 3,089 days, I think, uh, is how Oops. many days she spent. It's crazy In stuff. Captivity. Yeah. 525,600 Is that how I was supposed kitties. to deliver my content? No, do the whole thing again. Oh. No, that was fine. You're I fine. can just read from my notes, like, exactly what I said. Yeah, no. No, that was fine. That was fine. Howdy folks, this is Editing Tegan. Just wanted to let you guys know that there will be a part two uh, where Jenny and I talk about some of our cases that we picked. Um, Apparently we don't know how to be short.